0: Don Rahul Jimenez. Hi amateurs, that? Like, you don't even see that down the park. If they, if they lose, it feels great. Content.
1: The with
0: your head? I am supporting every team that feels break.
2: I'm not making a documentary this year about how shit my
0: club is. Mudman, thank you as always. Yeah. Man, always. Who would you rather lose it to by the way? Me or Johnny?
3: That's somebody's choice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Football Babble Podcast with myself Phil At full house tonight. Um we're joined by obviously the very bold Darth Mudd. Hello cousin, how's things? Uh, <laughs> uh Uh, Fellow Liverpool and the Brain, uh, Patrick. Hello, Patrick. Hello, hello. Um, they also quite bold, mischievous, uh, and uh, please have a bit of a dark past, you told us before the podcast, folks. Uh, (laughs) Steve O'Rourke. Hello, Stephen. Yeah, the the man who's
1: recovering from tearing his Achilles by dunking on his seven-year-old. I don't think I'm that mysterious. uh,
0: Steve was reenacting Philip Seymour Hoffman's performance in Along Came Polly at the weekend in the basketball scene and has absolutely knackered himself, so... It only oh, hurts when not. I stand or walk. It's the time. <laughs> and then um, we have, obviously, the main man, the boss man, Bretton, who at the weekend lads proclaimed he was delighted to have the football back. Are you still delighted the football's back, Breton? Aye. <laughs> 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 oh, this is you have Your tonight. before Real Madrid's to 20-0 tomorrow night. Uh, yeah, we'll get into it tonight. We might even touch on... Uh, European uh, fixtures have come up this week, but we'll have to get through. Premier League was back, a um, couple of mad results. There was a uh, potential, uh, an article broke in the Belfast Telegraph about uh, an All-Ireland league, which we might get into, and then unfortunately last night there was some horrible scenes in Spain. Uh, a a racism row has reared its head again uh, between Cadiz and Valencia. We might touch on that and how the Spanish football authorities team to not deal with racism. Uh, But we'll get into the Premier League first. Um, Breton will rip the band-aid off, get it out of the way. It was the first game up at the weekend since the return of international football. What happened?
3: (laughs) Good question. Um, Combination of different things but I think um, it comes down to what, going back as far as Conte um, sorry Lampard, they've all said it. Like the the mentality of the Chelsea team, especially when when they go behind or when things aren't looking great, um, leaves a lot to be desired. Um, I think obviously the sending off didn't help, and then you're just kind of looking to someone to sort of take control, or, or you know, with a bit of leadership on the pitch. And you would probably look to someone like Jorginho. Um, Rudiger wasn't on the pitch. Um, Christensen had to come on. Um, but again, he's not a natural leader. Uh, so you, you probably are looking to Jorginho. Maybe someone senior like Giroud as well, but again, not on the pitch. Um, and Jorginho, one of the worst games I've ever seen him have. Um, and also when things Go badly. He seems to go quiet as well. Um, he, he he's so good. You know, when Chelsea win, everything's going so commonly pointing and shouting at people. And um, but once there's a couple of mistakes creep in, um, it just seems completely haphazard. Chelsea were all over the place, really. Um, and as much as they weren't good, like I think. We do need to praise West Brom as well. Like I thought, they were unreal. Um, again, everything they touched turned to gold, and every shot they had basically, um, seemed to be an absolute scorcher. Pure, I was out of this world. Um, Robinson when came on, scored two crackers as well. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's a real it's a mentality thing that's worrying. Um, because of all people to come against West Brom. Obviously, you can't go unbeaten to the end of the season under Tuchel. But if there was a performance like this, you would have expected against a much better side. And I think like it'll be a test now, like coming straight straight into Porto. It'll be very interesting to see who who he trusts going into that game, because there's a lot of players did not do themselves any favors. I think you know, Tommy Abraham sitting at home, not even on the bench must be looking at Werner and thinking, what do I have to do here? To you know, to get a chance even, get a sniff, because Tommy when he's in the team seems to score, which is not what Werner does. So um it'll be very interesting to see against Porto. they really need to, to get their act together. Um but it'd be interesting to see what other people think, you know, about Chelsea and, and how they've been going so well and then suddenly you have a result like this. Like, do people think it's a blip, or is it just the squad? You know, the, the up of the squad's mentality.
1: I thought the international break had a huge amount to do with it. Like, I mean, what did West Brom had like five players away, and and Chelsea had like fourteen or fifteen. Like, that makes a massive difference mm-hmm. who you have around. Like, it, and especially it was such a long break. Like, normally international breaks we've been used to like. A week or whatever, but when it's two and a half weeks, I think it makes a huge difference. I think the positives are you know, there were two goals. Chelsea have we've noticed even on this podcast, even when they've been winning, they've been struggling for our goals, and and and, and you know, scoring two is something. I, I, I know it doesn't help when you can see so many at the other end, <laughs> but, um, at least there was that. But I do think like I was certainly getting myself in the mindset that Chelsea were now with Tuchel and the right spending in the summer legitimate title contenders for next year. I mm. it has made me kinda of take a step back and go, Oh, maybe it's maybe it's a little too soon but it's not it's like it's the sort of club that gives managers time either. So I kind of I kind of feel a bit sorry for, for Chelsea fans in that way. So there's no chance to like get any sort of rhythm or or, or find any sort of identity. And then you're carrying, you know, a player like Werner as well, like who clearly is struggling. Um, is not the player that you bought, and that's that, that's a massive investment to make in someone. Um, but in terms of you know wages, and he's taking another spot as well. That it's really difficult to kind of know what you do with him because you're kind of damned if you sit him, and he loses even more confidence. And you're you're damned if he's playing, and he's he's not, you know, he's missing sitters like he did for Germany. Um, during mm. the week as well, like so, it's it's a tough situation to be in. I don't think there's an easy fix for Chelsea. Um, although going back to that boring style of play that was, you know, winning every game one nil, you know, there's a lot to be said for it when you when you when you lose a game like that at
0: the weekend. Do, do you know what? Uh, sorry, just to jump in there on Werner, he got an assist, which is grand. But you know what's worrying? He could have just shot on an open goal.
3: Yeah, that's
0: what and I said. And assume. he turned, he turned inside. And actually, if you watch the game, he turns, he actually turns away from the goal. He doesn't yeah. like, no, he doesn't, It doesn't just pass it across his body. He turns, like as in, like, I, I can't look at that. I'm, I'm panicking here and pass it in. And that's, that, that, for me, as, if I was a Chelsea fan, that there would be glaring warning signs there that something's not right here. And, and I think someone had said, one of the German, uh, Bundesliga, Journalist was uh, was sticking up for him during the week because he that horrible miss for Germany, and he was saying he goes through these patches where he, he goes like this for two, three, whatever months, but that's not good. You know, if you're yeah. spending all that money on who's meant to be your main striker, like we we, we saw a, a poll go out this week on top top ten strikers, and we talked about it briefly in our pod or our WhatsApp group earlier, and we might park that for another podcast. But like your top strikers, Drogba, for instance, at Chelsea is an example. He didn't yeah. miss through long spells and this, he was injured he was an absolute machine at times Thierry Henry oh, probably the greatest forward in the Premier League year we've seen Alan Shearer absolute machine now these types of fellas like, it, it, I don't know it, that would be worrying for me Brett and the was of Chelsea fan the fact that his whole body language was I don't want this whereas you sh- he should have just been trying to bury that put his laces right through it and smash it home and he didn't
3: yeah it's a it's a pure mental block he has now, I think. Um he's actually I think he has got Chelsea's top assists this season. And a lot of those have come when he's right in front of goal himself and he squared the ball or you know, he he shirked the responsibility and he's got an assist out of it. <laughs> um uh, I mean I think now that I think they've tried this um Approach to just keep playing, keep playing through it. It'll come, it'll come, it'll come. That mm-hmm. approach. And I think he needs a bit of the other, which is take some time, you know, get your head right, um, few games on the bench, possibly, um, Crystal Palace next weekend. Um, I still think he's going to play him against Porto because Champions League football seems to suit him slightly better, um, at the minute. Um, but I think, you know, Next couple of Premier League games, maybe sit him out and and get someone like Tommy or, or Giroud, um. Because in the you know the, the running, like you never know what you're going to need in certain games. So, um, yeah, and and I think what also doesn't help Tuchel is is that he's German and he would have been, I think, even more so than Havertz, because Werner's older and because he arguably is more of a household name. Um, that was his, you know, challenge to to get Werner right. Um, not so much about Havertz. I think they're they're probably thinking he will come good with a bit of long term. I think he's twenty only um, and he's shown a few signs of that. Um, but you know, Tugel always seems to persevere with him, and uh, I think it's it's about time that you know he got a wee rest. Paddy, jump in there.
4: Yeah, no, it was just, just. Uh, I think it was a really good point you made, Philly. I, I hadn't even thought of it when I saw the goal. Uh, Werner's pure lack of confidence in the square on that. Now I know he scored from it, but ultimately, you know, most strikers are are, are looking at that selfishly and, and trying to stick their foot through it. But I don't know if it's something to do with with Chelsea as a club and the sort of merry-go-round of managers. If you know some of these big name strikers over the years that that have gone there, and um, you know the likes of, of Shevchenko and Torres and now Werner. Is, is there something with you know people like having one boss, so to speak, and the one where you stand with someone? And I'm wondering if sometimes that uh, chopping and changing of managers can kind of can affect the strikers. I, I don't know, but it is really interesting. And now he was he was linked with Liverpool, very nearly signed for Liverpool. Um, you know, by all accounts, Liverpool sort of pulled the plug on it. But but right now you sort of look at it from 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 sort of afar and say that Jota looks a better player. Now, It's not to say that things won't work out differently, but it has just it has not been the Werner I expected. I was expecting him to score twenty twenty five Premier League goals comfortably, especially with some of that firepower power in the in the um, Chelsea forward line as well. So it's been it's been a real weird one. I'm sure he's been the disappointment of the season. You know, not just in Chelsea, but for for the Premier League.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think you're
0: right.
3: I'd go with that. Like, I I can't think of you know anyone else obvious at the minute. Um,
0: yeah.
3: Uh, uh, who? <laughs> William? <And> the, <laughs> the assist machine. <laughs> I don't I don't know if people were expecting as much from William as they were from Vernon, like, but <laughs> fair um, enough, fair enough. Yeah. Especially <laughs> you, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think um. Possibly, Paddy. I don't know uh, about that. It, it, it seemed to have got success from changing the managers, regardless. Um, whether it affects individual strikers, I'm sure. You know, it affects uh, you know different individuals all over the pitch differently. But like, t- somebody the the lack like of, fairly like said about um bullock like, didn't seem to affect somebody like him. Like, I think if you have class, you know, in your game and you concentrate on yourself and like. <clears throat> I think there went to be an hospital before that game at the weekend. There, he's, um, I think he's pl- he said he's played under eight or nine managers or something ridiculous like that, and you know he's he's been solid throughout. Um, so it's hard to know. Like, it, it, maybe for someone who's just coming into the league and has already had a couple of managers and in the weird season that it is as well. Like, yeah, there's probably a lot going on for him. Um, hopefully he comes good that's all you can hope for at the minute. Um but in the meantime in this last sort of third of the season I think Togo has to just concentrate on on the team's overall goals and sort of set the Werner thing to the side and maybe hopefully hope he has a good Euros or something and get his confidence back up
0: We will we will touch on the Liverpool Arsenal game in a minute uh, but Steve Manchester United what a young came from behind uh, to win a league game, and uh, Brighton for fifty, sixty minutes looked so comfortable, and then I don't know, I don't know what happened with Graham Potter's side, but they just, their wheels just seemed to completely fall off. They they were comfortable in possession, they were keeping the ball really well, and then they all of a sudden they start to panic. And then they invited Manchester United onto them, and then Manchester United sucker punched them. Yeah, I, I have to be honest, I turned it off at half-time and
1: started watching The Irregulars on Netflix, which I highly <laughs> recommend, very good show, um, and the first, the first half was everything, everything that is wrong about the uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer Manchester United era, like, that just nothing, nothing was going right. And it's, as soon as the team set up the low block against them, they they just struggled so, so much. Like they just can't break. It. And for whatever reason, like Brighton kind of abandoned at half time. Like a, a lot has been said about Solskjaer must have had, you know, rip roaring team talk or whatever, but. I felt like Brighton kind of abandoned their game plan a little bit. And when the first goal went in, I kind of felt that the second was, you know, just from what I was following it on Twitter and stuff like that. It felt like United were kind of a bit all over them. So, um, my God, West Ham just scored an amazing goal. Uh, Jesse Lingard, former Manchester United player, of course. But um, <laughs> very uh, yeah. It, it look it's. At this stage of the season, it's it, in the Premier League. It's just about getting that second or third spot. I think, uh, Champions, and they've almost guaranteed Champions League qualification at this stage. I think it's job done. I think the focus is going to be on the, the Europa League from here on in. And uh, I look, it's again, it's it's the same problem that comes up every week on the podcast. It's it's you're stuck with Solskjaer if he keeps winning these games and if he qualifies them for the Champions League and stuff. Um. But I thought that, like, I I thought Cavani was useless last night. It was as bad a game as I've seen him play for United. Um, I thought Pogba eventually came good in the second half. I still think Fernandez hasn't played a good game since Christmas. So, like, it's a win, but. Jesus, it was, watching it back this morning, it was very hard fought, like, in the end, and much more so than it should be for a a home game against Brighton. But United, like, I think it's, if that, eight of the last nine goals at Old Trafford have come in the second half, they definitely kind of are a second half team there, even though all their struggles really this season has been, has been at home. So, look, you'll take the win, uh, but I think Thursday is going to be a more important game than they do in the Premier League in the next few weeks.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, Every time we talk about this here, if we mention all the other scores, someone moans at some point. But as you just said, that first half summed it up. And then it sounds, like it sounds if it comes from me, a Liverpool fan, it sounds like I'm being biased. But it, his attacking players pulled him out of a hole uh, yet again towards the end. Uh, possibly as well, Brighton should have had a penalty. Not really sure. No. But I, all I know, however, Barr's at out. he was just being clumsy, like, but. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's just his natural state. But uh, yeah, it'd be you're going to the, the game against Granada on Thursday night, which, which won't be easy, but that'll um, be the main aim pre night now. And as you said, he's got them he's more or less guaranteed now uh, Champions League football next year, which would have been his aim. And I think yeah, it's just, it, it's just a shame
1: that like there was that run of games. You know, Sheffield United, Everton, kind of, <clears throat> there's a few games in a row where, they just kept winning when they went top of the table that time if they just kept the momentum momentum doesn't exist sorry Um, if they kept that if they they kept that run of form going like they could they could have like carried that as legit title contenders because they don't like CER are clearly a class above everyone else but it could have been a closer title race than it turned out to be it's a shame that the all the drama in the Premier League is really around who's going to qualify for the Champions League it's there's a little bit of drama I suppose now around who's going to go down with with the results at the weekend but like most of it is kind of it, it's hard to get excited about a Champions League race isn't it compared to a title race or a relegation battle like it just it just seems yeah. like a weird thing to get excited about
0: it, even if your team's involved in it like it's, yeah. it's a it's, it's like a weird fake sort of drama because it's not it's not the same as a team possibly dropping out of the league or winning the league it's just nowhere near it so and and in those title like I said, a title race or a relegation race, teams that aren't involved, their fans are still into it, whereas other fans don't really give a toss who makes the Champions League. Do you know what I mean? If you're not involved, they won't care. I'm not going to watch that in the last day of the season because don't really care what happens, mm. whereas it's different. It's still, but uh, We'll see what happens. The, the top four race between Chelsea, West Ham, Tottenham, Liverpool and Everton is, is wild. so that'll definitely run on. Um, let's talk about... Arsenal and Liverpool, uh, at the Emirates on Saturday evening. Johnny, we'll let you go first, because <clears throat> I know you prepared for this, and then Paddy can obviously take over and give his thoughts on Liverpool's performance. You watched the match back today, so much respect for doing that for Paddy. Uh, what, are, what were your initial thoughts after watching it back, and give us your summary then of, of the events on Saturday night?
2: that's per, to be quite honest, like, it's the worst performance the same from Arsenal this season. Uh like I gave up on Arsenal before Christmas really, like um I think most of you know that anyway, but I thought Gabriel had his worst game in an Arsenal shirt. I thought he was terrible. Especially for that Salah goal. What was he doing? It was terrible. Why was he sliding in there? Like I mean Salah just made an absolute dick out of Leno as well. But I also <laughs> thought he had a, a poor game. I thought he'd done really, really he could have done a lot better for that, that first goal. Um I don't know, like, well, like, I told you before we came on, I have 13 bullet points here, like, and I don't even know where to start. I really, really don't, like... Yeah,
0: go from the top off. Right
2: well, I thought Leno was perfect the go, like I've said. Like, the ball in for, for Jada was fantastic. Like, let's not take nothing away from Trent. Like, um, you could really see, I thought Trent was in particular very, very up for the game, like, especially after being left out of England's ball. Um... Ceballos is, is, for me, now in the same bracket as Mustafi. Like he can literally get the fuck back to Madrid out of my side. I'm sick of seeing Danny Ceballos play for Arsenal. He's just he's a terrible footballer. I mean, he, he's had a few good games on and off, but he's just been nowhere near good enough. And you can understand why he hasn't made it at Madrid. He should not make it at Arsenal either. Uh, <laughs> I told the lads before we came on, I actually watched the highlights first to kind of see what the whole drama was and see what the the attack was really that bad and the highlights showed nothing of the Arsenal attack so that's why I had to watch the whole game because I actually wanted to see what they really, you know, attempted to do in that game um, that was shocking like, the the shape was terrible Uh, I think that Gary Neville pointed out on Monday Night Football there about Chambers telling Pepe to go press and there was none of that whatsoever uh, I don't know. Like uh it kinda makes me question, like, where does this leave Arteta now? He must be thinking it's him or the team. Like one or one or the other has to go, it's these guys or me and you know the way football is now it's easier to get rid of a manager than it is to get rid of a player. Um Albamiang again, like <sighs> the haircut for a start. What is he doing? He's club captain and he looks like something that should be like a Disney villain like it's friggin ridiculous (laughs) like I don't I don't understand why Arsenal give them this contract if they're not going to build a team around him you know it's he's been out left and yes he's played out there before but he just doesn't seem interested he really really doesn't like and Martin Odegaard must be looking around him thinking well screw this next year like I'm not coming back to this absolute nonsense like and anyone who thinks Arsenal are going to even win the Europa League are absolutely kidding themselves there's absolutely no chance I think Lacazette and, Pe- and Aubameyang should be sold to try and raise some funds. Um Pepe has been at Arsenal now for two seasons, and he hasn't produced really anything. Really, he's had a few good games, but he's been hot and cold. He's done nothing. Like my God, Williams probably contributed more this season than he has. It's just, just not good enough. Like for a guy that cost over seventy million, like I would take Prime Alexis Sanchez right now over Prime Aubameyang. Absolutely, at least Sanchez. Trade and he chased, and he scored goals, and he may have been a dick, but at least he freaking gave a shit, and he wanted to win. And just for the last bullet point, just for party benefit, Fox Birds. So, away well, you go, Phil. <laughs> you tell me what you thought of the
0: game? Uh, I knew you'd get something about Tottenham at some point, like I would have been disappointed if you hadn't. Hey, what... Go ahead, go ahead,
3: Sorry. Yeah. I just want to quickly ask him, um, do you think there's anything in Arteta like basically sacking off everything in the league and trying to win the Europa League? I know we say they're they're not gonna win it, but like there's kinda absolutely nothing to play for now in the Premier League. Do you think he's like put that into their heads and like the mentality has shifted like? Well,
0: you still
2: have to keep the run of performances going, like you know, momentum. Like keep winning games to get the habit of doing it. Like, and I know a lot of people that say Granit Xhaka was left out of the starting team, and he was a big loss. And fair enough, he, he probably was. Like you could see when Kieran Tierney went off, like Arsenal just completely went to shape. Um, but you got to keep winning games. Like you can't just slack off in the league just because it, it's over. Like the Arsenal could probably could kind have of still went for. Europa League Champions League football through the league, but you're relying on a lot of teams above you to drop points, which is not gonna happen, like let's be honest. But I just don't see them in Europa League either. It's there's some very good teams left and like the the attitude's shit. Like I, I know Obama and I may have had personal problems outside of football this year, but his attitude's been shit nonetheless. Like, you know, going on and breaking quarantine rules and getting a tattoo and all and just he doesn't even do any post-match interviews either, you know, for a club captain. he he done one recently after Arsenal won a game, but him hasn't done one ever since. Like, you know, he's just, he's just a joke. I just, I couldn't be arse with him anymore. Like, it's just, he's an absolute man-child. He'd rather associate with the YouTubers and all that shit than actually be a captain for Arsenal Football Club. It, they've, they've
0: absolutely snookered themselves. Arsenal were paying this silliest wage structure a big club has done in a while, especially when they're in a position now where they're not looking like a big club at the minute, and they're not gonna finish in a big club position. They're gonna finish possibly ninth or tenth and it's it's pretty pretty horrendous spot that we find themselves in. I heard on on another podcast this morning that in the last North London Derby eight of the highest eight of the top fourteen highest paid players in the Premier League run on, on show when Tottenham played Arsenal this season. That's insane. That's oh. and that's no disrespect to Tottenham and Arsenal. And I know we jest and we have a bit of crack and all like, but like they they are they're two historic clubs. Like the two clubs you see them every the Premier league, Two clubs that have <laughs> challenged or either Tottenham have challenged recently. Arsenal have won the league and the won trophies and different things. And they're the third highest uh, league winners in England. They put themselves in, in another
2: Ozil position.
0: That's what they've yeah. done
2: here with the Aubameyang contract. And I they think they would
0: have learned, and they haven't. And it's also the William deal too, and you're looking at it now. Like I know Arsenal fans aren't huge fans of Retta at the minute. Some of them aren't, Uh, and I can get that too because you have to you have to vent your anger at something when your team's not doing well. But he has such. I I I I said last season it reminds me of the job Klopp has when he, pardon me, took over Liverpool. But this is even bigger. Like this is even tougher what Roteta has because. At least Liverpool, behind the scenes, were starting to half get things right. You know, the structure there, wage structure, transfer structure, It caused a lot of, like me and Paddy know caused a lot of annoyance because we were looking us to buy players and spend money on certain players and wasn't happening. But they had a plan, whereas at Arsenal it just looks like they're just panicking and then lumping money at whoever to try and keep players or lumping money in free transfers. And it, it They're in big, big trouble of just going off into the abyss for a while.
2: Yeah, we're not a Man City or a Chelsea or PSG that we can't Need afford to just. Yeah, we can't afford to just
0: pay money to a player and think, oh, that's all
2: right. Well, we'll just buy the next big player. Like we, we can't do that. Um, and it's very frustrating. Like, you know, we like you mentioned Willian there, which is a sh- stupid a 3 year contract. Uh, a club he spent, I think, it was eight years at Chelsea. we're only willing to give him a two-year contract at most, and. Course, the idiots that come and give them three years and probably on a very high wage as well. Like, um, and, yeah, um, one of the Yeah, Gary Neville's thing on Monday Night Football was very interesting. Like, he, he described uh, a couple of Arsenal players as the little mafia. You know, the likes of Bamian, and Pepe, um, and just their whole attitude. Like, and I think to be quite honest, when a was missing from the team there for a, a short period, I thought Lagazette really upped his game and it was a lot better. And he th- thought he benefited not having a Bamian in the team. You know, you see, you see players now on Instagram put up all the videos at the training center. And a black as I put one up this week of a Bamian coming back, and he was walking about like an a, an absolute idiot. Like, you know, this guy's what thirty, and he's stupid bleedin' as her, and he just he looks like an absolute asshole. Like an doing all these live videos with his brother on YouTube or, sorry not YouTube, Instagram and the fake guns and all this here bullshit and I'm just like, you're a guy that just has too much money now and it's all gone to your head. You know, you need to grow up like, you know, you're captain of Arsenal like, uh, Steve mentioned in the, the WhatsApp group earlier the likes of Tony Adams stuff, like, Tony Adams will kick a bombing up and down the Emirates like he was still playing and tell him to wise up. It's just, it's just so annoying. It really makes you not Really bothered with football like you know you know the whole situation like I couldn't be arsed with them like and I've written off this season from before Christmas it's just uh, I don't really know what else more I can say about them like you know what I mean just got to that stage
1: it's funny that like we we talk about club captains like they should represent the heart and soul of the club and in a way if I'm kind of does represent Arsenal at the moment because there's clearly talent there but it's absolutely not being used to its fullest potential at all and. Uh, I just think the very first appearance I had on this podcast, I think it was after United, Arsenal beat United, wasn't 1 nil earlier on this season. And I was kind of like, I've not been an Arteta fan from the beginning. And I think he's out of his depth. I saw someone tweeting last night that if he wasn't so good looking, he'd be sacked at this stage. Oh, um, he is handsome. He is a very handsome man. Like, But I, I kind of get what they're trying to say as well that, like, you don't, like, if Sam Allardyce for example. Uh, I'm not saying Sam Aladdrais is an ugly man, but if Sam Aladrice is in of this Arsenal team playing the way they're yes. playing, he'd be a lot more kind of in pro I I think Cartel is getting away with, with, with murder really, like, to be honest, because I, I don't think he sets them up well. Um except against Manchester United who they seem to play really, really well against for whatever reason. Um but I do like I think t- Be fair to the club, like there's a certain element of luck. Like Phil mentioned, like this being very similar to when Klopp Klopp took over Liverpool. Like, but like if you think about the last kind of three seasons, or three or four seasons, uh, Liverpool wanted to sign Klopp, but Klopp was overruled and they got Mane instead. They wanted to sign Julian Brandt, he was overruled and they got Salah. They wanted to sign Timo Werner and they got Jota. Like there's a look element involved there as well. Like if like that Liverpool yeah. team with with goals mm-hmm. and brands and a very different team mm-hmm. than the one with Mane, Saleh and Jota, you know. And mm-hmm. um, so like and but I don't think like Liverpool could probably could have afforded to make a mistake with even two of those players and still get away with it. Arsenal can't. Arsenal have to be a hundred percent with all their transfers in and out. Um and. Like, so it's me handing out the kind of contracts they've handed out, especially, as you said, um, like, about not learning from the Outsal deal as well. Like, that's just, like, you know, you make a mistake once, fair enough, that happens, but, like, to, to do it a second time is just criminal, really. Um, And I'm not a superstitious person, but, like, this all comes from Sacking Gunnersaurus, and, gun source, uh, and for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I agree. I agree.
2: Yeah. And you're, you're totally right. Like, I, me- I remember the first time you were on and, um, he even say at the time, it. like, no, no, like, I remember Steve said, like, he, like, if he was an Arsenal fan, he'd be disappointed he didn't beat Money anymore, and I totally agree with that. Yeah. But, you know, take nothing away from Liverpool on Saturday. Like, I know we've talked a lot about Arsenal, here, but Liverpool were, it seemed like, back to their base, you know, they were fantastic. And as bad as Arsenal were, Liverpool made them look extremely bad. And, you know, you could have, I mean, you could have put anybody in centre back for Liverpool on Saturday night, and Arsenal wouldn't even have touched them. Like, they didn't even touch them at all. Like, But, I mean, he like, just would have been so comfortable. They even so, like, you know, we were great. Like, And I thought Trent looked back to his best as well. And You know, Salah just made an absolute dick out right of my boy, Gabriel. Like, but it is what it is. Like, um, I, I thought Arsenal would have put up a bit of a better fight. And all honestly, you know, if you look at Liverpool's record since probably the beginning of February, they've been a bit hot and cold. But, well, it is what it is. We'll play, we'll play Sheffield United on Sunday. And the late kickoff and Arsenal haven't won a late kickoff on a Sunday all season, so
0: great. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> Patty, let's get into it in the room here. What did you make uh, of Rupert's performance and who impressed you?
4: Yeah, well this just really touching back on Arsenal. We were good but we didn't we didn't really have to be good. We, we had to just sort of turn up and we would have won. Like, I I I don't think I've seen a. You know, one of the bigger teams or one of the traditional big six play that badly ever. Like I can't remember it. Like they were, they didn't lay a glove in Liverpool, and Liverpool had two, you know, fairly rookie centre halves. This should have been a lot more positive. And you know, I know you've already talked a wee bit about Arsenal, but I, you know, it's a worry. But a positive maybe, Johnny, is the fact that Saka and Smithrow weren't playing, and they could be the core of something special going forward. You know, a bit of a clear out, and you know, I think Arteta's circumstances have been difficult enough. um You know, whereas Klopp had a few leaders, even whenever he signed, you know, the likes of Milner and Henderson were already there. You know, sort of whipping boys into shape, although it maybe didn't translate into results on the pitch uh, initially. But I, I just look look at Arsenal and just like. It's just a real dearth of of leaders, a real dearth of men, and, and like you touched on Obama, he's just a big child. Like I, I would wouldn't want him anywhere near, you know, a club I supported, uh, especially being the the captain. So it's a worry, but notwithstanding, Liverpool Liverpool were good. Like played well. It's good good to get a win when needed a win, especially with um you know Chelsea dropping points, Leicester dropping points, Everton dropping points, Spurs dropping points. It ended up being a fairly perfect weekend. I know West Ham are playing right now as well, so I think one of you has mentioned that there were one up, possibly, Lingard scored. The so, oh, two up, right, so um, it's nearly a perfect weekend for Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool are good. Fabinho in midfield was class. Um, I think he's really, technically, maybe the best defensive midfield player in Europe. I, I really can't think of anyone who's better, like uh, you know, Camp is an excellent player and, and Kimmich or Fernandinho is maybe past his best and when Verratti plays in the 60s class, but all those boys, I still think was the best player there, and to have him missing from the midfield all season, really playing center half, has just hindered us so much, so having him back was class, and then Trent was sort of back at it which was great, his decision-making was a lot better, and you know, apparently it sort of spoke with Klopp quite a bit over the international break, and had done a bit of work on his sort of final ball again, and picking the right pass in the final third, and Thought he was amazing. His, his uh, deliveries were were such a threat and so varied. Like he was whipping whipping sort of balls in like like Beckham. Other times he was you know sliding it in or he was cutting it back. He just has you know his right foot is like a Swiss Army knife. was class and Shada just showed how how important he's been and and it's sort of gone under the radar. You know we sort of focus on the two centre halves getting injured or three centre halves getting injured. But Shota's missed three months and he's really. His signing has been vital to sort of maybe keep the front three on their toes, and he just showed it again. He's so clinical, and for for a guy who's knee height, you know, grasshopper, he, he seems to be unbelievable in the air. So, a lot of positives, yeah.
0: And in, in, in Jala's last five games for club One country, he scored six goals and four of them have been headers. Like, crazy. he's not a so freak in the air. Well, sorry, I was talking to another Liverpool fan, and actually journalist Phil Green. Yeah, uh, he does stuff for the back page football, and we were chat chatting last night about. It. He reminds me of like he reminds me of Torres a little bit. he's not as powerful and um, or as big as Torres was, um, but he just reminds me of where he is in the box, his mannerisms, where he goes about things. And he, he like as you, that's a great point you made. Probably like a lot of it has been made of what of Van Dyke missing Gomez and then Matip, uh, Tiago getting injured too, and and him struggling for form, and Trent struggling for form, different things, but. The absence of Jada, every game now he plays for us, and even when he plays for Portugal, he just seems to, just seems to become more important. So hopefully for Liverpool going forward, he can play a big part in whatever happens the remainder of the season and a big part in the Euros for Portugal in the summer. I mean, tomorrow night against Real Madrid, um, he'll be chopping at the bit to get at them, obviously the next Atletico Madrid player. But another point you made as well is to go back on Arsenal because sometimes it, it's, I think any of it makes better podcast if you talk about the team that has maybe lost, not as in a, in a bad way, but you can sort of you can just get more out of it. I think, and just on Arsenal, Emmy Smith Rowe and Saka, like Johnny as Paddy said, they have. To, you said to me, you said to us, sorry, about twenty minutes ago. You're not enjoying Arsenal, and there's no one, you know, it's just annoying you, and they're annoying you, and you just want to fight the Batman. I mean, just be honest, you want to fight the Batman, and William, in a table, addition chair match, WrestleMania. Let's get it on but Emmy, Smithrow, Smithrow and Saka they're two players you should be building your, your Arsenal love around like, they're two players that can bring each forward and I love Martinelli too I, I'd yes. love to see him get a run of 10
4: games so, uh, I think he's class yeah Where has he gone?
2: That that's, that's another thing that's really frustrated a lot of Arsenal fans like to be honest I haven't really been that frustrated about it because I just haven't honestly gave a shit Um, <laughs> Martinelli hasn't got a, a sniff at all but I think I think I signed these in. A, a we started with it yesterday, maybe. Uh, that Arsenal haven't won a game without Saka or Smith Rowe this season. And that's the first game they've like, got absolutely hoofed, and rightly so. Um, but yeah, look, I, I do. I, I like Smith Rowe and I like Saka uh, and Martinelli as well. And Kieran Tierney, like you know, there's very few players in the Arsenal squad at the minute that I do like. But <laughs> yeah, there are are definitely players you could you could build a team around, like. I was even, I've seen highlights of a game I was talking to you guys about it during the week uh, of Arsenal from remember, over 10 years ago, like when they had Fabregas and, and Percy and Adebayor, and even that team, like, you know, I'd love to even have that team right now, you know, I know they were nowhere near as good as, like, the Arsenal Invincible team or even the teams prior to that, like, but they just, at least they could finish in the top four and, <laughs> you know, play Chani's League football. Uh But yeah, I mean?
1: Gary, about like uh, Smith Rowe and Saka is like when when they're playing together, Arsenal average two point two points per game, and any other combination they average just a point one point a game, which is like obviously relegation form. Like the difference it makes to have the two of them in the same side is just I don't know if there's another pairing in the Premier League that has such a a massive points diff or difference uh, when they're together and when they're not. So I think like there's the foundation of a good team there but it's like you said like earlier on like with Odegaard as well like are you really going to stick around if you finish 10th? Are you really going to stick around if that's your future for the next couple of seasons? Like that's it's a vicious cycle to get into Uh, and suddenly you become Spurs um, a team that might challenge for the top four but rarely actually gets there.
2: Yeah. No you're, you're absolutely right and to be honest we really shouldn't have to rely on two young lads to carry the team like you have a guy there, Abaniang costs us 60 million, Alakazai costs us 50, million, and Pepe costs 72 million, and these guys are just coasting. Bar Bar Lagazette, to be fair has played decent enough over the last few weeks, but just didn't do really anything on Saturday. But that's you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a difficult couple of years for Arsenal. There's no doubt, you know, they're uh, definitely in a dark period, and it'll probably continue for
0: a while. I a Europa League when though, if it does happen, Johnny would be. A massive, uh, missile in the right direction for Arsenal. Um, <clears throat> now, we've talked about the Premier League and we've got into it, different things, but covered our teams obviously, but there was an incident in La Liga, an unsavory one, uh, unfortunately, uh, this weekend. There was an incident of racism, uh, involving Cadiz and, and Valencia. And it was Juan Cala as, uh, the defender for, I think he played in the Premier League for someone, uh, for Cadiz. He, he has, <clears throat> He's been accused of, uh, recently abusing, uh, um, Mukhtar the the, um, Valencian midfielder. Now, it wasn't known at the time what was going on, but there's been videos come out recently and, uh, you can sort of see people have been able to interpret what Gabriel of the ex-Arsenal Parish, uh, center half and captain, I think, for Valencia, or he's well, not captain, he's one of the leaders anyway. He sort of says to the referee what he had heard and it's not great. Uh, to say the least. In fact, it's pretty horrible. Um, I don't know if you know this, lads, or you've seen what it said, but basically it means um, in Spanish, shitty, and then obviously a colour. Which, you know, is just horrendous. Now, that is horrendous, and we'll chat on that, but also there's another thing happened. Valencia walked off the pitch, which was brilliant, and the right thing to do. And then 29 minutes later, they had to come back out, and there's been a whole thing now, and they were told to come back out, um or they were going to be punished, but they won't say who's told them. So, I don't want just, whoever wants to jump in here, Maybe Steve, if you want to come in first, about the situation, and just how poorly Spain seemed to handle these things.
1: Well, this this is it. It's the consistency of Spain and Italy being at the kind of centre of these storms, and not that, like, I mean, the Really had its own incidents at the weekend. Callum Robinson obviously took abuse online uh, and Dav- Davinson Sanchez as well. Like, you know, it, it, it's not like it's unique to, to, to Spain or Italy for that matter. But I think what was, what was the most disappointing bit is we talk in this pod- podcast all the time about action, action being much more valuable than, than, than words. And it's a really brave move for any team to walk off the field. And it takes a lot of effort because, you know, not maybe not so much now when there's not fans in the stadium, but, you know, in a stadium full of of people want, who have paid money to, to see a game, the last thing you want is to see players walking off or whatever. But I think he did the right thing. If if what was said was said, or even anything remotely like it, I think it, it was the right decision to walk off. Where it gets murky for me is that it, the... Inference from what I was saying, I follow follow quite a few uh, Spanish football journalists, and, you know, the inference seems to be that La Liga basically told them that if they didn't go back out, that they'd forfeit the game, which, you know, is A, cowardly, and B, a sign that we really need in the world game games to bring in a rule that you can't be docked points for walking off for racism. This needs to come down from FIFA or UEFA or whoever it needs to come down from. But, I mean, if we have that, then no team is going to feel like they have to go walk back out onto a field in a situation like that. And I think it tells you everything that, like, Tala, I think it was Cardiff in the Premier League when he was with them, but he was definitely with Cardiff anyway. Um, but I think it's telling that he was substituted at time. I think that as 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 non admission admissions that something shouldn't have happened go, that was absolutely a non admission admission. Um and it's just horrible to think that this happens. Like I mean to, like you know, we had in the, the PSG game obviously in the Champions League earlier on this year, like a fourth official identifying the player by the colour of their skin and you're just going to, like there are ways of of identifying people without mentioning what colour their skin is or any physical deformity they have, like, especially if you're a fucking professional, like, you know. And it's just frustrating that it's 2021 and this shit is still happening. And, you know, all credit to the players for walking off in the first place and an absolute shame on whoever told them that they had to go back out there. Like, that's, you know, Kala is obviously the the, the biggest... You know, I suppose um, criminal is not the word, but I mean, you know what I mean. He's the person we should be focusing on. But the the, the next subject of our ire should be whoever in in a suit, because it's always someone in the suit told them they had to go back out. I mean, that's almost as bad as what Kala did, um, because it's just it's giving in to the racism, and we shouldn't ever do that. We really shouldn't.
0: Yeah, it's it's not a good look, Brenton. Sure, it's not for La Liga. To just completely if they have, if it has come from this as, as Steve was saying I think we probably follow some of the same Spanish journalists even they're in, initiating that league has come down to Valencia and said, listen, and Valencia are in a bad spot too, they're still trying to avoid relegation. They probably will stay safe, but they're still in and around that, that mix. So come out and put the pressure on them to come back out when a teammate has been racially
3: abused here. Yeah, and um I've seen some some arguments about you know should have just seen it through and and yes, that is true, and I can see you can sort of see both sides of it like not i mean I don't mean you can see the legal side I mean you can see where they struggle to to make the decision to to stay off because you know David Calby's probably sitting there saying, listen. Out. Like I don't want to be like I don't want it to be my responsibility that we we get dropped points and you know he was um, taken off and <clears throat> like it's it's horrible that he was the one that had to go off the pitch as well which I, I think is absolutely disgraceful um, but I think there needs to be uh, Steve's right like there needs to be some sort of law that. Allows, like, it's basically just protection of rights. Like, it allows them to to walk off if if somebody's been racially abused and not have that, you know, somebody come into the dressing room being like, right, lads, you've got 20 minutes here, you know, or, or else we're taking points off. It's, it's just an absolute joke. And I would like, you know, obviously you're saying, you know, about Valencia, they can't really afford to be docked points. And, you know, you'd like to sort of see it in a, in a team who, who maybe don't need the points as much and they actually are are able to see it through because if a team was able to see that through and suddenly La Liga have to publicly come out and say, oh yeah, that team that left the pitch because of racist remarks. Yeah. We're t- we're taking points off them and, and we're fining them. Like how would they make that announcement? How would that look, you know, PR wise? Um, you know, I'd like to see that situation play out, because what you know, what body or what organisation is going to be happy to actually physically go through and do that, um, and and the the blowback from it will be, you know, you can imagine how how catastrophic it will be. So, uh, yeah, I think that's the that's the final step that that needs to happen next time something. This happens like it needs to be seen right the way through, um, and the blame shouldn't be on the the team whose player has has suffered racial abuse.
0: Yeah, we've seen it like even Paddy we saw it. in the Europa League, Glenn Kamara racially abused by um, a Slavia Prague player, on and Rangers were incensed and whatever and 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 different things like that. So it, it I don't know. If, if you think the same thing, but it, it seems to, like, it seems to have exploded again. Like, all these racist um, attacks on players and, like, on social media, uh, even though we're trying to do everything and, and, and people are taking the knee and it's been highlighted and, and racial injustice, I, I don't know, maybe because maybe it's in, in the spotlight now, maybe that's what I'm thinking, but it just, <clears throat> I don't know if you feel the same part, but this seems to have probably reared its head, its head now where every weekend we're we're seeing an incident of something happen?
4: Yeah, it's it's hard to know if it's increased or not or if people are just reporting it now because it seems to be a safer space to come out and, uh, and say. I'm sure people have spent decades or more ignoring these things on the pitch because they felt they couldn't come forward to authorities and no one would listen. But it's, it's good that they're choosing to do so now. I suppose another couple of factors, the fact that there is no crowd at the minute and these things are getting picked up and people can get sort of easily found that way um, and also just I suppose the general political feel in Europe, there's a lot of sort of rise of, of nationalism and, and all these things that just maybe have, have added to it all but yeah like just what the lads were saying, disgusting stuff, um, although I think this is just another point of view, not necessarily mine but um, it's tough, say, say this fella who came out with the, the, the terrible remark is it right for the team to lose points whenever 15 of the 16 in the squad didn't do anything and and, and don't think that's a problem? Should we be completely, you know, slamming down hard on him and saying, right, you're not playing for a year and you've got to give six months of your wages to charity or or something. I I don't know what the answer is, but
0: I'm just trying to offer an alternative sort of point of view. That's a valid point. Like it, I do know, do you think Johnny, I guess, I suppose... And, and what was Tannin as well? <clears throat> Carla came out on his own, and the teams were coming back out. He didn't come out with the team, he came out on his own. Uh, and then obviously he was substituted, so it it would be probably where they would start, I'd imagine, where they would f- fine or dock points off that team uh, just to make a stand. But I don't know, do you think Johnny would... Is more focused on the player himself and and, and sort him out, or, or do you think it's fair to, to punish the team as well? Uh, basically,
2: I kind of just echo everything that the lads have said. Like it's it's just it's terribly disappointing that this is still going on. And like you said, Phil, like it, it is quite strange. Like all these, you know, racist remarks to players just it just came about again suddenly. Like it just seems to be happening every week. Um, it's just very strange, like you know what especially with no crowds in the stadium, like you know, there's normally that noise and it would be harder kinda of, to make out what a player is saying, but like who's really in these stadiums now? Like, nobody you know, you can basically hear what a player is saying to the other one and these guys are just idiotic. I, I don't know whether it's just you know, in the heat of the moment in sport where people get angry, but there's absolutely no way in any case or situation where you should use language the way these guys have. You can understand you're frustrated if you're getting beat or whatever, but there's no need for that type of stuff, like, just, it should not be within any sport. Um, But they like to say, like, guys, you have to come back onto the pitch or we want to deduct your points or whatever, it's like, that's, what message does that send? You know what I mean? Like, it's, I don't know, like, uh, football just seems very corrupt and it has been corrupt for years and we, we thought we were maybe taking steps towards, you know, a better future last year when the Black Lives Matter stuff came in and it's just, it just feels like it's never going to change, doesn't it? Like, like, I, I don't know. Like it's just, it's very sad, and I don't know. FIFA and UEFA—they all need to take action. Like I seen Thierry Henry left social media over the last week, and he said he's not coming back until something is done about it. But Thierry, it seems like he would be on social media forever.
1: That's yeah. The Sorry, for, I know this is really serious, but. It Wilson scored one. of the best goals. This is an incredible game of football. Uh, I think I think it is worth pointing <laughs> out that of all the things that happened in this, the only one player got a yellow card in this situation. Um,
0: yeah, and that, that was horrible. It was
1: racial abuse. Like, yeah, I mean, this is what I don't understand. And I, I think Patrick made a really good point there. Like, should we punish punish the team? R- or punish the team when it's it's one player who's kind of maybe left the side down. I think whatever it takes to stop it and if that's if that is the six month you know ban or a year ban for the player or if it is a team that point whatever it is that's gonna stop this happening, um, that's the right punishment. And I think we're better off given how often this seems to happen now, we're better off erring on the side of too much punishment than <laughs> too little um just just to stamp it out and um, but i think it's telling that we're seeing more players reported but we're seeing more people don't care that they're being reported like there was a time when you know you know it's a completely different thing but if you were caught speeding or you were caught drink driving and your name would appear in the local paper and you you know you'd be terrified that people would find out that you had done it and now all of a sudden like young lads, fifteen, sixteen, are sending racist abuse to footballers online and wearing it as a fucking badge of honour. Like uh, you know, as, oh look, I made a name for myself. So we've we've really kind of I think this is a wider kind of societal issue, um much as anything else. And there's nothing there's nothing you, I or anyone else on this podcast or listening to this podcast can kinda to 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 do about that. It's a it's a much wider discussion but it, it, it's 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 in it's mad to me that we're still having this conversation in 2021 Um, and maybe 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 to a certain extent we you know we're we're benefiting from from white privilege to a certain extent in the sense that we don't live this we don't experience this this is something that that you know people of colour experience have always experienced it never went away and it was just for us it did because it wasn't public it wasn't you know on our twitter feeds it wasn't in our football game um and maybe it just has never gone away, and this we're just seeing it reemerge because it's becoming more high-profile. But yeah, I think a, a lot of really good points there um, around the uh, around the idea of maybe punishing the player more than the team. And I think like there aren't racist football teams, but there are absolutely racist footballers. So yeah, maybe the the, the concentration should be on the individual rather than the whole. Yeah, I'd go
0: along with that. Um, hopefully. I mean, Sid Lowe a brilliant piece in the Guardian today, and I've sent it into the lads <clears throat> about what had happened. And one of the haunting images of the whole incident is the fact that um, Dekavi is just stunned, as you said, Steve. He's getting yellow-carded. And then he's sitting in the stands watching his team and watching Calla play for a little bit after the incident. And it's just heartbreaking for him. And obviously, Javson Sanchez and Cameron Robson, the weekend getting recently abused as well. The more we talk about it, the more we... People mention it and they say they're outraged at it. Hopefully it'll s- stick soon and uh things will start to change, but it's it's gonna be a long, long, long process, i imagine. I think we've sort of run out of time this week for the podcast. We're gonna we'll park the potential United Ireland League um for another time because it, it's gonna grow legs. i imagine that IFA and the f a have got involved. Uh, that was a report that came out in the Belfast I suddenly. Sunday I think it was yesterday. But I think that will probably do us for this week. There's a lot of football coming up this week, obviously, and, um, in the Champions League and the Europa League. We might try and squeeze in a bonus one, depending on what happens this week and that. But um, as always, catch our podcasts across all your podcast apps. Uh, just look for the Football Babble. Get us on Patreon. Brent, what's the link?
3: Patreon.com forward slash Football Babble. Thank
0: oh. you. But, boys, thanks very much for coming on. Speak to you again soon.